the word boldness literally has to do with the words that come out of your mouth. The word itself literally means unreservedness of speech. Lions don't roar quietly. They roar, and you can hear it for up to five miles away. That's not quiet. That's not sheepish. That's not scared. There's not a trace of fear in that roar. And you've got that same thing on the inside of you. So two things lions do. What do they do? Number one, roar. They roar. Now, number two, this is what I want to get into this week. According to this verse, they roar and they lay hold. They lay hold of the prey. Or you could say it like this. They lay hold of what they desire. Now, traditional religious teaching does not emphasize you laying hold. It doesn't emphasize you taking. Traditional religious teaching doesn't emphasize you possessing by faith what belongs to you in Christ. Many people, and maybe some of you in here, were grown, grew up and you were taught about the quote-unquote sovereignty of God that basically that teaching would say, if God wants you to have something, you'll have it. If he doesn't want you to have it, you won't have it. Now, the implication is that you don't have anything to do with it. The implication of that emphasis is you have nothing to do with receiving anything from God. But that is not what the Bible teaches. That is not true. The Bible talks to us about laying hold. Now, it's going to take some boldness to lay hold. I want to read something to you that came as a word from the Lord through my grandfather, Kenneth Copeland, a number of years ago, back in November of 2011. Do we have that? I think we were going to try to put that. There we go. Take a look at this as I read it to you. Pay attention to these words. The word of the Lord came to him and he said, I have a great storehouse. Much more has been stored up in the storehouse of riches beyond your wildest dream that I laid up for you before the foundation of the world. Much more is stored up there than what the church has ever called for. I have not held back on the church, saith the Lord and the God of plenty. I've made it available to you. I've put it in my word. I gave you promise and stood behind it with the blood, the precious blood of your Savior. But there's been a backwardness in my people about what? Laying hold. There's been a backwardness in my people about laying hold of the things that I've provided for you. But I will say this. There is a people in the land. There is a people around the world. There is a people strong and mighty and growing much stronger and much mightier and more bold to lay hold and put their claim of faith on the things I have laid up for you. And it thrills me because it has been yours all the time. Thank you, Lord. This was the word of the Lord. In essence, he was saying, I've got things that I've stored up for you. But did you notice what he said there? There's been a backwardness in my people. There's been a backwardness 
and I might say in their mentality, about how you lay hold of the things that he stored up for us. But I like what the Lord said there. He said there is a people. There is a people that are growing strong, mighty, growing stronger and mightier. He said there's a people in the church. There's a people around the world. I might add there's a people in Green Mountain Falls, Colorado that are growing stronger and mightier and more bold to lay hold. Bold to lay hold. Let's say it together. I am bold to lay hold. Lay hold of what? Well, let's find out from the Word what we're supposed to be laying hold of. Let me give you several verses here. We'll put them on the screen. You don't have to turn there. But the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, a verse you're familiar with, verse 16, let us therefore come boldly, boldly to the throne of grace. You've heard this verse. I've heard this verse. And sometimes these verses that we've heard over and over are the last ones to really sink in. But let this, let, let the Spirit of God really get across to you what He's saying to you here. He is inviting you to not only come before the throne of God, which that in and of itself is like, wow, right? That is awesome. He's inviting you up to the very throne. And people, they know this verse is in the Bible. They've heard it. They've read it. Many of them have preached it. But yet in demonstration, in their prayer life, in their believing, how do they talk? Do they talk about coming right up to the throne of God? No, they talk about let us pray. Let us stand out here and bombard the gates of heaven. Have you ever heard anybody talk like that? But what are they revealing? They're acting like this verse doesn't even exist. They're out there bombarding gates that aren't closed. Oh, God, oh, God. We pray that our, somehow our voice would come before you in the heavens. We, we plead with you, oh, God, don't you see the state our poor nation is in? Oh, God, we plead with you. They're standing out there at the gates. And God's like, what you doing out here? But yet this is how people with a traditional religious mindset think. They're pleading with God, but they are not responding to his invitation to come on in. He's invited you to the throne. But not only has he invited you to the throne, he told you how to come. And how was that? Boldly. Now, we've talked about this before, but bear in mind, this was written by the Spirit of God to Hebrew people. That's why it's in the book of Hebrews. And these are people who for generation after generation after generation were taught the law and were always told about Moses and the tabernacle and then the temple. And there was one thing you knew as a common person, you don't go in there. You stay out here. Don't come close. Don't go close to that holy place. And this goes all the way back to Mount Sinai. Before there was a tabernacle, they were taught, don't go near that mountain. You touch that mountain and you die. That's why they're like, Moses, you go talk to God. 
Let us know what he says. We'll be over here, like way over here. And this is who this verse was written to. He was telling these people, y'all come boldly. And they were probably like, say what now? You want us to do what? You want us to go where? Yeah, come on in. Come right up to the throne. And they think, okay, well, if I'm going to go before the throne of God, I better get low. I better grovel. I better crawl. He said, no, 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 no. Come and come boldly. Come with some boldness about you. And if I'm a Hebrew person here and that for the first time, you know what I'm thinking? You go boldly. Let's see what happens to you. I'm not going in there boldly. But you got to understand there was an identity change. And now you identify in Christ, with Christ, as the righteousness of God in him. And as the righteousness of God in Christ, you can come boldly. Now put that verse back up there for us. Let's look at this. Again, Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. If you're in need of mercy, let's just think about this for a minute. If you're in need of mercy, what happened? You missed it somewhere, right? I missed it. If I'm in need of mercy, then somewhere along the way, I have missed it. I have sinned. I have violated the light and revelation I had on something or I did something that was not a faith. Somewhere along the way, I sinned. I'm in need of mercy. Does that sound funny to you? Attached to come on in boldly? But that's when you need the most boldness. When you're in need of mercy is not when you come in identifying with the sin. That's when you come in identifying with the blood of Jesus that cleanses you and washes you of all unrighteousness. Come boldly. What are you going to find there? You're going to find mercy. And what else do you say? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. Two things are waiting for you at the throne. Mercy and grace. Now, now look at this one more time. I want to draw your attention to one word in particular. He said, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain. Obtain. That word is a word you see repeated over and over and over again, actually over 200 times in the New Testament. And it's, it's translated a few different ways, kind of some miscellaneous ways a few times, but 133 times in the New Testament, that word obtain is translated receive. Over 100 times, it's translated take. Take. Now that is a word religion hates. Because it sounds arrogant, it sounds presumptuous, but what did the Bible say? He said, come boldly to the throne of grace and take your mercy. Come boldly to the throne of grace and take your grace. Take it? Take it. Just take it. Yes. Take it. How many of you know you got to have some boldness just to take some stuff? Just take it. Take your grace. He didn't say anything about begging for it. 
He didn't say anything about trying to deserve it, to act worthy of it. He said, come right up to that throne and take it. Take your mercy. Take the grace that you need. The Bible also says in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 12, in whom, talking about Jesus, so these, this is one of those in him identity scriptures, in Christ, or when you identify with him, you have boldness. In Jesus, we have boldness and we have, what else? Access with confidence through faith in him. In Jesus, through faith in Jesus, or you could say it like this, when you identify with Jesus, you have boldness. When you identify apart from him, when you identify with yourself as yourself, or you identify with the mistake, you identify with the sin, how much boldness do you have to come before the throne of grace? None. But when you identify in him, that's the source of your boldness. Faith in Jesus is the source of boldness. Identifying with Jesus is the source of your boldness. It's the source of your confidence. And not only do you have boldness, you have, he said, access. Somebody say access. Access. I'm going somewhere with this. Pay attention. You see the same word in Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. He said, therefore, having been justified by faith, you could say, you could very easily say there, having been made the righteousness of God in Christ, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access. Say it again, access. Access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. In Jesus, we have access. By faith, we have access. I'm going to keep saying this word till it gets in your brain. By faith, we have access. Access. Access to what? Access to the grace. Faith gives you access to grace. God has given you the grace. Faith gives you access to it. Faith in Jesus is your boldness and your access. Have you ever known anybody or been with anybody who, because you were with them or because you knew them, it got you access? That's a good feeling, isn't it? You show up to a place and your name ain't on the list. And you say, it's okay. I'm with him. And who's him? Him is whoever's putting this whole thing on. Who, him is whoever's paying for this whole thing. And when that person who wasn't going to let you in now sees who you're with, oh, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, right away, come on in. Why? Because you are with him. They are your access. Identifying with Jesus gives you access. Access to what? All the grace. Come boldly before the throne of grace, that you may take your mercy and take your grace. What's he saying? I'm giving you access to it. Access. Now we understand access. Think about it like this. Let's say you've got a bank account. That shouldn't be too much of a stretch, right? For, for us. Anybody in here got a bank account? Okay. Thank you, Lord. Let's say you got a bank account. Let's say there's a million dollars in that account. There you go. I was hoping for a few amens right there. 
I'm gonna try it one more time. Let's say you got a million dollars in that account. Okay, I'm with you. Would you be telling the truth if you said, I have a million dollars? Yeah. It might be an awkward conversation, but if we were standing together and I said, you got a million bucks, and you say, yeah, I've got a million dollars, and I said, show it to me. Well, probably you don't have it on you, right? It's probably not folded up in your wallet. It's probably not in your purse. And you might say, what? Well, I don't have it on me. It's, it's in the account. So really what you're saying, when you say, I have a million dollars, what you're really saying is what? I have access. I can get my hands on it right now. Why? Because you got an account, and that account has your name on it. Therefore, you have access to it. Are you with me? See, we understand access. And we understand that to take hold or to lay hold of the money that's in that account, all you really have to do is walk in. And walk in with some boldness. Walk in with some confidence. And say what? I'd like some of what belongs to me. Right? What is that bank teller going to ask for? They want to see some identification. They want to know who you identify as. Now, it's simple, right? You provide some identification, and as long as the identification you provide is the same name on the account and they can confirm it, you have total access to lay hold of anything and everything that's in that account. But what if you started talking to the bank teller like so many people talk to God? What if you got a million bucks in the account and you come into that bank and your head's hanging low, tears streaming down your face, and they say, can I help you? And you say, my electric bill is due. It's $112. Okay, well, um, do you have an account here? <sighs> I think so. <laughs> okay, um, is, is there money in the account? Yeah, like a million bucks. <laughs> Great, okay, well, can you provide some identification? I don't know who I am. <sighs> Just unworthy so unworthy. You know what? I don't even deserve it. I don't even deserve the $112. I don't know who I am. Who am I? That teller is going to look at you and say, can you just give me an ID? Can, do, do you have an account here, right? Yeah, but I'm not worthy of it. I'm not worthy of anything that's in there. If you cannot boldly and confidently say, I am, and then prove it, you will never lay hold of what's in that account. They won't give it to you. You will walk out of there empty-handed simply because you didn't identify as the man or woman who owns the account. And you will go with the need unmet. And it wasn't that there wasn't 
ability to meet it, resource. You had access to it all along. All you had to say was who you were. That's it. That is it. But if you talk to the bank like you talk to God, you will never lay hold of everything that grace has already provided. I love how open-ended he made it. You come to the throne, you can have mercy for when you missed it and grace for when you need help. That's like all the time. Those two things cover your entire existence from sun up to sundown every day of your life. Mercy when you need it, grace when you need some help. You need some help? Yeah, I need some help. There's a grace for that. You need some help financially? Yes, Lord, there's a grace for that. You need some help at home? Yes, Lord, there's a grace for that. And you've got access, access, access to all of it. You can lay hold of it, but he's going to need to see some identification. So you come up boldly before the throne of grace and you say, Lord, I'm in need of mercy. I missed it. You're not trying to hide anything. You're not trying to conceal anything. Who are you talking to anyway? You're not going to fool him. Just be honest. Lord, I missed it. I'm going to need some mercy today. What's he going to say? Take it. Take it. Now, you will leave there without your mercy if you can't present some identification. If you cannot say, I come to you in the name of Jesus. This is who I identify as. This is what I identify as. The righteousness of God in Christ. If you are in need of mercy at the throne of grace and you can present that identification, what's he going to say to you? Take it. My mercy's new every morning. My mercy endures forever. You can't out my mercy. Take it. Just take it, take it. Take a little more. You're going to need some tomorrow. Go ahead and take some. Lord, Father, I'm in need of some grace. I've come up against some things that I cannot do on my own. I don't know the answer to. As a matter of fact, I don't even understand it. I need some grace, Lord. And he says, can I see some ID? Yes, I'm Jeremy. Who? I am the righteousness of God. You have made me. You're righteous. Everything between me and you is right because I'm in him. I need some grace. What's he going to tell you? Take it. It's yours. You have access to the grace. But it's going to take some boldness to lay hold of that. You cannot come up before him sin conscious. You can't come up before him full of shame, full of guilt. Those things, condemnation is a confidence killer. He said, you can come, but you got to come boldly. You have to come with some confidence about you. Amen? Thank you, Lord. You've got access. Thank you, Lord. Now, just because you have access to all the grace that God has provided doesn't necessarily mean that you are automatically going to enjoy any of it. What grace provides must be received by faith. 
Grace is the hand of God that gives. Faith is the hand of man that takes. It, it requires those two things working together. Thank you, Lord. I'll just give you another couple of verses. There's more here that we could dig into, but for the sake of time, just listen to this. From 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, the Spirit of God writing through Paul said, Fight the good fight of faith. And do what? Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He told you to fight and he told you to lay hold. Man, that sounds so different, doesn't it? Than what so many people were brought up to believe and, and, and really, honestly, what so many people are hearing these days. It's all up to God. If he wants you to have it, he'll give it to you. If he doesn't, he'll keep it from you. And we don't really know. And again, the implication is you've got nothing to do with it. But he told you, fight the good fight. What's he saying? There's going to be a fight. Oh, I don't want to hear that. I'm sorry, <laughs> but there's going to be a fight. And it's the fight of faith. It's the fight to lay hold of everything grace has provided. You lay hold of it. How do you, do, how do you lay hold of it? You lay hold of it by faith. The Weiss translation of this says, be constantly engaging in the contest of faith, which contest is marked by its beauty of technique. He said, take possession. These words lay hold here are translated, take it. Take possession of it. This is exactly what Jesus said in the book of Mark chapter 11, when he said, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says, those things which he says will come to pass. He said, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Exact same word translated obtain. Exact same word translated take it. Jesus told you, when you pray, believe you take it. Believe you take it. He says, I'm giving you access to it. You've got to believe you take it. And yes, there will be a fight involved in this. It's the fight of faith. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.